0: Hi, I'm Will Schwalbe, and you're listening to But That's Another Story. The other day, I was feeling more than a little bit overwhelmed. I'm writing something new and found myself stuck. Then there were the thank you notes I needed to write, a fridge that needed to be cleaned, prescriptions that needed to be refilled, calls that needed to be returned. You get the point. And I couldn't even open my laptop without noting with horror that my unanswered emails had swelled from the dozens to what seemed like thousands. So I did what I usually do when I feel totally out of control. I turned to my bookshelf. I wasn't looking for wisdom or inspiration. I was just plain procrastinating by visiting favorite books and turning to random pages. The first book I picked off the shelf was Howard's End by E.M. Forster. The book fell open to the first page, and I read the first sentence. One may as well begin with Helen's letters to her sister. And then it struck me. That was just the line I needed. May as well is such a brilliant way to begin a book, but also a brilliant way to approach life. When you have a lot to write or say or do, there are all sorts of ways to begin. You may as well lead with this or that or something else entirely. But the important thing is that you do actually begin somewhere rather than agonize over exactly where to start. I did just that with my writing and all the other things I needed to do. And recently, I got to talking about how a book can show you the secrets of how to write and live with today's guest.
1: I'm Hannah Rosen, and I am the co-host of Invisibilia.
0: When Hannah Rosen joined the Invisibilia team in 2015, she was new to radio, but she wasn't new to exploring stories about why we do the things we do. Hannah has spent her career as a magazine writer, with bylines in The Atlantic, Slate, The New Yorker, GQ, and New York Magazine. She's also written two books, The End of Men and God's Harvard. She's written broadly about American culture and has sought to figure out how people work, Something she's been trying to understand throughout her entire life.
1: I was born in Israel, in Tel Aviv, Israel. And uh, my parents moved to America for no reason that I can understand, like no reason that makes sense to me as a grown up. It had to do with economics, there was a recession in Israel. My dad sold his truck, moved to New York, and became a taxi driver. So that was my youth. I grew up in a super, super immigrant neighborhood in Jamaica, Queens. And, uh, you know, went to to school of all immigrants where I remember, like, no one knew the words to the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, it was was that kind of neighborhood. Like, just a big Queens mishmash.
0: A love of stories was instilled in Hana early.
1: My dad was really funny because he... um, he wouldn't tell you that day. Like he wasn't the kind of guy who would come home and say, "Like, oh my God, you'll never believe who was in my taxi today." But he would. He you you'd, you'd like see you'd suddenly you know you'd see somebody on TV, like we'd hear music or see someone on TV and he's like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, that he he was in my taxi, and like that's Ray Charles, and he's like, oh yeah, he gave me a champagne glass. It's in the trunk. Like we still have the champagne glass that Ray Charles gave my father. Or like 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 Jackie Kennedy was in the taxi once, or like Eli Wallach. Like there would be just actors and actresses, and he just wouldn't. He and like I think Mayor Koch rode in his cab once. Um, but my mom's a real great. My mom's like the neighborhood boss. So she used to run the Tenants Association. And she's like a ball buster. I mean, she's just like really, really tough. And she would just like call people out on all their stuff. And she's constantly gossiping about like this person in the neighborhood and that person in the neighborhood. And she's been sued by people in the building. And so like she's, you know, she's more stirring it up.
0: And like her mother, Hannah spent most of her time out in the neighborhood.
1: I was a super outgoing kid, I would say. Um, I played a lot of handball. This is so hard for me to talk about because it's so... I mean, it's just like it doesn't... It's not... It's just hard. it doesn't wear on me as much anymore but like I fought a lot as a kid like we would f- like physical fights like that was just a normal part of my growing up but I was I was I was like a I was like an outgoing kid I like like to leave the house I was always out of the house I never wanted to come home you know if the sun was out I would just leave I would go to the handball courts and I would come home when it was dark
0: Handball champ that Hannah was there was one thing she was not
1: Oh, my God. I was not a big reader as a kid. (laughs) Um, I was really not.
0: In spite of this, Hannah spent a lot of her time in the Briarwood Public Library in Queens, a place that was integral to understanding her new country.
1: I do remember this one funny thing, uh, which was discovering the rack of books in the tiny Briarwood Public Library where the Sweet Valley High, like, when they started coming out, um, and it, it was really, like, I, would, I just, like, I have this image of myself as a kid in this sort of rotating rack with my eyes popped open, um, like, doing anthropology about America. Um, and I had no idea, like, if this was still true in this decade, if, like, people still behave this way, if, like, people went to prom this I didn't know if prom was real, if people really did straighten their hair, like, bre- like people eating meat for breakfast. Like, there was all sorts of things that, like, oh this happens in America, but I didn't know, like, was it 1950s America? I just had no context for it because my neighborhood was so different. But I did feel like I had discovered some secret pamphlet that would tell me about America. Like, this is where the rest of the world, this is how the rest of the world was. Like, this is out there beyond Jamaica, Queens. Like, people look like this, they act like this, they talk like this, they date like this, and they eat like this. Like, that's that was my sort of education on America. Uh, was that series of books?
0: That education continued as Hanna made her way through one of New York's most prestigious public schools, Stuyvesant High School.
1: Oof, that was a real rough transition for me. I mean, it really was like like I mean, leaving a tiny little world and and just just going into the world, like the way people talk, the way people dress, the music they listen to, um, you know, they're, they're sort of parents, like their addresses, the places they lived. I mean, it was a massive, massive culture shock. I'm not sure I actually ever recovered from. I definitely remember going into this one particular friend's house, like apartment. It was an apartment, and I lived in an apartment. Everybody I knew lived in an apartment. But I went to this one friend's house, and like I'd never seen furniture. Like I'd never seen furniture that was made up with leather, you know. And like I'd never seen that they had sort of chrome handles. And I remember her parents had this like record collection, and I remember bookshelves everywhere. It was a pretty. It was like a modern design type house. Um, And uh, I I just didn't have any experience of that. I mean, I just didn't, I didn't really have any context for that kind of thing. I was very scared uh, for my first year there. And I actually only found my footing as a debater.
0: It was on her high school debate team that Hannah began to think about ideas in a new way.
1: I liked about it that I was good at it. Like, I just was good at it. Like, I could just understand how it worked. I think what I might have liked about it in retrospect was that it was aggressive but non-committal. So it's playfully aggressive. So like you could inhabit a position or inhabit a situation or take on somebody else's reality, but you didn't have to commit to that reality. And so that's what debate was about for me. I mean, like uh, so, so much of being an immigrant, so much of the immigrant experience is really wondering if there's a way you're supposed to be. Like, is there some standard here? Like there's something I don't know. And if somebody tells me that thing, I have to be that thing. So I think that's just a a lot of ideas in an immigrant's head about templates. Like, what's the template? Just give me the template. Teach me the words of the Pledge of Allegiance, and then it'll be okay. Like, tell me how I'm supposed to be. Tell me how you're supposed to eat. Tell me what your house is supposed to look like, how clean it's supposed to be. Like, and then it will be okay. Like, then we'll really be here. Um, and so, so, so debate had an element of just like freedom.
0: When we come back from the break, Hannah's curiosity is sparked, and soon She uncovers a book that ignites it even further. Hannah Rosen had spent her childhood adjusting to life in America after immigrating from Israel. And as she began college for the first time at Stanford, it was clear that more changes were in store.
1: I'd never seen anything like it. Like, I remember so well the drive—like, just taking the bus from the airport to Palm Drive with all of my things and thinking, like, this has to be a joke. Like, this is not a real place. Like, this is not a real place. There is no way some place looks like this, you know? Um, Like, the haciendas and the architecture, and it's like—now I think of it as, like, everyone running around trying to cheat death, you know? Like, everybody all fit and trim, and it wasn't quite like that when I was there. But, yeah, that was an insane culture shock.
0: As Hannah grappled with that culture shock, she continued to explore her interests. An early passion for debate had taught her that she was interested in ideas. But when she got to college, Hannah found a new interest that helped her go further down that path.
1: I didn't work in the school newspaper, but I was a photographer for the school paper. And I, my one my one interesting experience for, as a photographer was that I lived in this group house which had co-ed showers, which were shocking at the time. And I took a picture of the co-ed cho- showers and then the New York Times called and it became kind of a bigger, more interesting story that such thing existed. Um, and so I kind of understood a teensy tiny bit about the power of journalism and how it works. Like I'd had a teeny tiny like little taste experience of that.
0: As Hannah was becoming interested in journalism, a friend recommended she read one of the classic nonfiction books of the genre, Gay Talese's Thy Neighbor's Wife.
1: The Neighbor's Wife is a book by Gay Talese. It took him nine years to write, and it is essentially a Sweeping history of the sexual revolution, but told through particular characters. So some of these particular characters are anonymous, a young boy or a couple that become swingers or a pinup model and named Diane Weber. But some of them are um, some of them are. Hugh Hefner, like more famous figures that ended up uh, creating certain mores and changing certain mores around sex during the 60s and 70s. when you're young, you know, things about sex leave an impression on you. So I definitely remember, as probably many kids do, Lolita, and thinking, wow, like, that this is a subject, that someone could write about this subject, that someone explore this kind of darkness. But it's fiction. Um, and 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 uh, it was—first of all, it's, not, it's nonfiction. And so <laughs> this is actually happening, this is true. And it was largely the first chapter. Like, I just— couldn't believe that someone could get to this point of intimacy with an actual person. And the way the first chapter is constructed, it's sort of a slow movement through a couple of hours, which sort of stretches out to include other things, but it's essentially a boy who's about to masturbate. Like, that's the subject of the first chapter.
0: The way the book was written opened Hannah's eyes to a style she had never come across before.
1: It's this kind of masterful, intricate weaving of one thing with another, which I just couldn't believe. Um, and, and mind you, like I knew nothing about, I didn't knew journalism. I certainly knew nothing about why and how this book was controversial, like what feminists thought about this book, what people thought about Gay Lees and his wife. I knew zero about that. I just picked up the book because somebody told me read it, and I was just like amazed by it.
0: Thy neighbor's wife also helped Hannah put her own life into perspective.
1: I had to figure out what I was gonna do and who I was gonna be, and I think I had spent basically all the years since my childhood um moving towards Sunny Stanford as you know, trying to shed things and trying to shed parts of myself. Like, I was I was moving really far from my family and where I had started. And so there's this sense that, like, you have to just, you know, m- move into the next room and close that door and move into the next room and close that door and move into the next room and close that door. And so you're just, like, shutting doors and sort of moving towards some idea of something that you're supposed to be, which I had no idea what that thing was um, but um, but sort of there I was at Stanford knowing I couldn't stay in California and I was kind of kind of interested in journalism and I think for me what this book was about was I don't know like it doesn't leave anything behind it's not you know I can't say it's an exact corollary to my life although Gaitley is himself an immigrant from South Jersey which is kind of like being from Queens um, but there's just a sense of like nothing is too small to look at, nothing is too dirty to look at. Um, Not only is it not too dirty to look at, it's like the central story of America. Like something about tying, you know, this kid's privatist, privatist moment together with a kind of grand sweeping history in America, it sort of made me feel like everything would, like it would be okay. Like you wouldn't have to, like you wouldn't have to close up bits of yourself or bits of your thoughts or bits of how you lived or who you were it would it it was okay like you could take the 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 dirty parts or the parts that were shut away or the parts that were behind the closed door and somehow you could weave them together into a bigger picture mind you i had no idea what that meant but it seemed like it could be possible it didn't have to be like like an ever forward trajectory towards scrubbed cleanliness you know
0: As Hannah began her career in journalism after college she continued to reflect on how thy neighbor's wife had opened up the world to her
1: I think that a lot of the pleasure for me in in what came later was being able to escape into someone else's mind or reality um, like if you are a restless person and you have only one Consciousness, or like one one life, like there 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 is a way in which you know the gatelea's way of like I'm actually going to live this other life for a while. I'm actually going to inhabit this other person's mind from the inside. Uh, I'm actually going to live this experience for some number of years. I think that must have been some escape. That I was sensing like I must have sensed something like I need that I don't know why but I need that like if I, and to stay sane like in, 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 I'm gonna need to to do this like escape into other people's reality and it's like the better it's kind of a nicer version of debate it's not exactly mercenary because it involves a kind of union and empathy like a full empathy with another person
0: But That's Another Story is produced by Katie Ferguson, with editing help from Alyssa Martino. Thanks to Hannah Rosen and Becky Celestina. If you'd like to learn more about the books we've mentioned in this week's episode, you can find out more in our show notes. You can also find a transcript of this episode and past ones on LitHub. If you've been enjoying the show, please be sure to rate and review on iTunes. It really helps others discover the program. And subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If there's a book that changed your life, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at macmillan.com. We'll be back with our next episode in two weeks. I'm Will Schwalbe. Thanks so much for listening.